Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you don't know who I am, my name is Caleb Clay, and I'm the family pastor here with my wife, Pastor Crystal. She's serving in our elementary class this morning, and we want to welcome you to Anchor Faith Church. Man, I tell people all the time, especially whenever they, I get the question, well, what, what do you guys teach? What do you guys believe? What? I said, well, we teach the Bible. We believe the Bible. And they're like, well, what can we experience if we come to your service? And I said, well, there's a catch to that one. I said, you can't really experience Anchor Faith Church just one time because you never know what you're going to get. So you got to come back at least five times. So if it is your first time here with us, just know you got one in the book. You got four more to go, but we just want to welcome you here, and we're excited that you, out of all the churches on every corner of our lovely town here, you chose us, and I believe that we have an awesome word for you, an encouraging word, and that we're just going to be led by the Spirit this morning, amen? Let's do this. Let's open it up, and I'm just going to pray over our service. We're going to get our hearts ready to receive God's word, and we're going to dive in and see what he's got for us, amen? So, Father God, we thank you. And we just allow you to flow in our lives, that we're not here on our own agenda, we're not here on our own just time frame, but Holy Spirit, have your way. And that I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, even if they're listening online later on, that Father, right now, we will make a conscious decision that I am going to lean in, and that I'm going to engage myself, and that I'm not just going to be a spectator, but I'm going to participate. And that I draw on the anointing, I draw on the Holy Spirit, that there is something you want me to know this morning. And that I'm not leaving this place until I get it. And we just resolve that in our hearts right now. Everybody say that with me. Say, Holy Spirit, you have something for me. And I want it this morning. And so we thank you for this. We thank you for just everything that you've already done this morning, but we are excited for your word, and we honor your word this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, Pastor Mark and Ashley are on assignment this morning, and they are up at our good friends up in Tennessee. He's ministering. He got to minister to all of their supportive ministry staff last night and got to encourage them, and he's ministering this morning and tonight. So I just want you to be in prayer for them that they have some very powerful and anointed services. But obviously, we get to hold down the fort here this morning. We are honored to be with you, and we just are so excited to see where our church is heading. Because, you know, I had an individual just this last week ask me a question. He said, so what's your church like? I've had a lot of these questions here lately. And to be honest, it's kind of hard to describe us. It really is. Anybody agree with that one? If you've been here any amount of time, first time, okay, great. If it's your first time with us, it's probably still hard for you to describe what this is. But he said, I have a question. Is your church alive? Very quickly, I responded, absolutely. And he goes, well, do you know what I mean? I said, absolutely. I said, we've been there before. I said, I've been in those churches before where you walk in and there's just staleness. There's no, there's no flowing. Like if you've been to any type of pond or creek or whatever else, if it's not flowing, it becomes stagnant. And whenever it becomes stagnant, it becomes lifeless. 
because there's no new nutrients and oxygen being flowing in there. I said, man, we got such a flow, you don't even know how to understand it. And I said, and you can't mentally. I said, you can't even fathom it. I said, but we got the Holy Spirit that flows through us. I said, and we are very much alive. He goes, huh. I said, but I encourage you. And here's, here's something we can all do. I haven't even got in my message yet, but we'll get there. Here's something that's very easy, is if you are trying to explain to somebody who we are, what we believe, how Pastor Mark ministers, just encourage them. Go check out our website, anchorfaithvaldosta.com. And they can go on there. We have all of our messages. They can read about who we are, what we believe, why we're here. And it's an easy avenue for you to be able to just point them in that direction. And they can hear Pastor Mark and how he ministers. They can hear all of our messages that whenever he has us do Wednesday nights, they're all on there. So if you're ever like, I don't know how to invite somebody to church, encourage them. Just go check out our website. And then come with me, and you can, I'll save a spot right next to me, and you can come sit with us. Sound good? Awesome. So we're diving into this message this morning, and I have... 13 different titles for this, and so I'm just deciding I'm not even going to tell you a title yet, and you get to title it your own thing when it's over. So hope you're ready. Hope you're going to participate. You got to understand a couple things. I say it every single time I get up here, but we are family pastors. So what that means is we cover infants all the way through our high school age children, and so we have some awesome directors. Miss Elizabeth Ellenberg runs our preschool for us, which is infants all the way through kindergarten, pretty much, or pre-K. And then we have Myrna Irizarry, who just stepped out. But she is our awesome new, just new from this last probably six months, elementary director. And so she runs kindergarten through fifth grade. And then me and my wife this year have taken on the role as what most people would call youth pastors. And so we are heavily involved with all of our young people. And we have a lot of young people just in my own children. So I tell them all the time, I said, listen, I got the best thing going on for me because I have quality control. Jada is obviously up here on the front row. Her 15th birthday is this Wednesday night. Woo-hoo! Absolutely crazy. Then I have Ella, who's in our elementary class. And then I have Isaac, who's in our pre-K class. And I said, you guys don't understand. I got quality control. Because as soon as I go home on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, how was class? What would you learn about? What did they teach you? What's going on? And I get a full recap of all of our areas, just like that. But there's no more coming after that, so that's all we got. And I said, they're all just going to keep moving on, and we'll just keep going. But one of the things that we love to do is Sunday morning and Wednesday night should never be about just lecture time. You guys understand that, right? I tell the kids all the time, I said, this isn't school. We're not here to try to just gain information to pass a test and then move on with our life and never have to go back and think of that information again. I said, no, no, no. This is church. Church is where we do life. So I'm going to need some participation from some of you guys who've been out of high school for a couple of years. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about all the adults. Thank you. Okay, there's some participation. Thank you so much. Because guess what? We're all supposed to have and hold on to this childlike faith. We can have so many situations and circumstances that dictate how we view God. But he was never designed to do that. 
We're not supposed to be designed to view God as, well, my uncle died of cancer when he was only 52, and we prayed for him, and it didn't work, so God must not heal. Mm, No, that's not the proper lens you should view through. Because, you know, no one knows the heart of the man except for the man himself, and we have to understand that. We don't know what he's dealing with on the inside or what, what's harboring inside of there. But we have to understand the character and the nature of God himself and what he says he can do for those who believe him and do not hinder or doubt his word. Amen? Thank you for the participation. You guys are doing great so far. So this morning, though, one of the things that the Lord's really laid on my heart is influencers. Who's ever heard of the term influencers, right? All my young people, where are y'all at? Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. That's right. You acknowledged it. That's awesome. Because you know what? What is age? We're all young people, right? Thank you. Wow. Come on, guys. We're all young people, right? We're all still breathing. We're all still moving. We're, you came to church this morning. I mean, you're doing great for most of the United States in the world right now. But I was just sitting there, and I was like, you know what? I have my biblical definitions, and I have my Webster's 1828 original definitions, but what would happen if, let's say, I was a high schooler again, and I just Googled, what's an influencer? So I did that for you guys, so just hold on a second. We'll, we'll get there. And so it says an influencer is someone who has the power to affect others purchasing decisions because of their authority, knowledge, or position or relationships with their audience. So if you have any type of social media or anything like that, you've heard the term influencers before, correct? Participation, guys, correct? Thank you, awesome. We can talk, this is church. It's somewhere we do life together, it's okay. It's not, I'm not up here teaching a college class or having a TED talk, it's different. So here we go. Then it says, a following in a distinct niche Niche market, right? You guys know what that is? Special things, right? It says, with whom they actively engage. The size of the following depends on the popularity of their items or their value. And it says, influencers in social media have built a reputation for their knowledge, and and they have a specific topic. I can't talk. Come on. Topic that they push. So we have these people now in our world that are making millions of dollars by just holding up their phone and going, hey guys, check out these shoes I got. They are so comfortable. They are, the, they are like walking on clouds. You guys don't even understand about these shoes. But man, if you look at these shoes right here, I'm telling you, they're the best that I've ever bought before. Yeah, I'll post a link in my story and you can just swipe up and you can buy your own and you can be just like me. Here's the crazy thing. These people have never met any of these people before. But based on what they just saw and heard, they're intrigued. Wait a minute. Let me just look at these. What makes these so special? What makes these so awesome? And it engages their audience. They talk about how they get paid by the post now on any type of social media or anything else. But here's the funny thing, is legally now, they have to, if it is an ad for a company, they have to hashtag ad on all their stuff. So that way people know they're getting paid to post that on there. Because they don't want to try to deceive people 
into thinking, well, I'm just letting you know this is awesome. They are letting them know they got hired to do this. And so these influencers are influencing all of our next generation. I mean, who's got a cell phone in here? Raise your hand. Who's got some type of social media? Raise your hand. Yeah, there's a lot. Guess what? It's the world we live in. It's what uh, We just had a meeting with our youth pastors down in St. Augustine yesterday and got to spend like two and a half hours with them and got to just kind of glean some of their wisdom and knowledge. But it, we both just came up with the plan that this is it. This is what we have to deal with. And so I spent the last, oh, Lordy, all of our students can probably, what, month trying to finish out our series. But we talked about the real me. And versus social media. I mean, I bet you if some of you guys right now took out your phones, you probably have a filter that just tweaks some small little details. That when you take a picture, it, it's not the real thing. It's been edited. It's been changed. But we post it as if, just woke up this morning looking like this. And it's like, no, you didn't. You've been up for three hours doing your makeup and hair and everything else. Don't even play with me. But they try to pass it off as, look at my life. And I tell the students all the time, I said, listen, what we see online is what I call the highlight reel. What I see online is all the highlights. And they portray it as, my life is awesome. Look at how great I'm doing. Look at this fantastic life that I'm living. And they're trying to influence your decision now on your life. Because, see, you don't realize this, but you're being influenced if you know you are or if you don't think you are. What we see and what we hear is always dictating how we view things. If I look at somebody else who's doing really good in their life and all I see is a highlight reel, then I'm going to start looking at mine and going, man, well, it seems like Adam back there just has no problems at all. I mean, he's always just rocking life. I mean, he gets up here on stage, and he's got some really great hair. I don't got no hair. It's just, I just can't even compare myself to him because I'm not even in that level. And I start viewing things in an improper way. And so I started looking at what our students and what the next generation is dealing with and number one, comparison is a horrible thing. And we're going to realize how important it is for you to be you this morning. I'm not just talking to students. I know I'm going to reference them a lot because guess what? They need somebody to keep them awake on a Sunday morning. Ain't that right, Slade? That's right, buddy. I got you. But here's the deal. is It's not just Slade. I can pick on Slade because me and him have spent many hours up here when no one else is here cleaning the church. Because he came to me one day and said, is there something I can do? Something, somewhere I can help out? And I said, dude, I'm cleaning the church on Thursdays. And, and I mean, months, months and months. I'll be there Thursday. Pastor Caleb, I'll be there on Thursday night to come and help you. And he did. And you guys didn't know that. But we had students saying, is there anything I can do? We got students over here that they serve in different areas that they have a role to play here in this church because they've realized there's something about who I am that I have a gift to give to somebody else. We, don't, we do not discriminate on age. 
there's something that even our youngest kids can help out with. I mean, when we had some special services not too long ago, some of our elementary kids were standing at the door greeting you guys when you walked in. That was on purpose. Because guess what? They didn't have class. But they said, what can we do? I said, you can stand here at this door, and you can hold the doors open, and you can welcome every person that comes through. And they were excited because they realized they're influencers. So we look at the Google search definition, and we realize, eh, that's probably modern-day stuff. We can see that in our world. But the Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, in general sense, influence denotes power whose operation is invisible and known only by its effects. And then we go on to just the regular Webster's, and it says, power or capacity to cause an effect in indirect ways. So what I am saying should eventually affect you physically. Do you literally see the words that are coming out of my mouth? No, but you can hear them. Hopefully your spirit man's really just grasping. Because that's what the goal is, is to get it from here to here. I know it's only about a foot and a half, but that's a long way to travel for God's word. So you got to get it from here, just being head knowledge to revelation in your heart, right? So I started looking back and I said, well, where are we going to start, Lord? What are we going to do? So we're starting at the beginning, Genesis 1-1. I said, why not? Let's start at the beginning and work our way through. Amen? Everybody with me? Who's got their Bible? Look at that. Man, you guys rocking it. It's like you guys were in my class on Wednesday night or something. You guys just got your Bibles, got your notebooks. There's only a few people I can count on my hand that can show up to a service. No notebook, no cell phone. They can listen to the pastor minister, and then afterwards I can ask them, what would you get out of that? And they can just reiterate everything that he just said. And I'm like, man, you lucky dog, because I can't do that. Man, I got notebooks, and Pastor Crystal has told me multiple times, what are you going to do with these old notebooks? I said, what do you mean, what am I going to do with them? She's like, well, you have all of these notebooks. And I said, those are years of sermons. And she's like, well, can we, like, throw them away? What? What? Do you know how much hard work I put into spelling all those words, okay? I had to handwrite all those messages. And she's like, a lot of them are online. A lot of them are written in my own handwriting right there. And I go back through every once in a while. Now, I will say, if I could go back a few years, man, I would figure out how to smack my little self and just be like, you need to get organized. Because whenever you're having to dig through notebooks and try to figure out what year it starts in, that's a tough one. That's just throwing that out there. So, you know, at the top of your page, make sure you always mark like 2021 or something. Just a little, just a little hint for you. So Genesis 1-1, let's get back to the word. So Genesis 1-1, we all know this, but it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was the surface over the deep. It was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, everybody say, then God said. What did he say? Let there be light. And here's what happened. And it says, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. 
You ready for this? You ready? You ready? For the sake of being very cheesy this morning, do you know God was the first influencer? I mean, by, by definition. Let's go back. Ready? It says here, in general sense, influence denotes power whose operation is invisible and known by only by its effects. There was nothing, desolate, emptiness. Then God said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. And not only was there light, but it separated the darkness. So God spoke and things responded. Things had to move. Let's go to Genesis 1.26. I don't even have this on my notes. I had to go tell them in praise and worship. And so we're going to look up here on the screen. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to whose likeness? Our likeness. And let them, everybody say them, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God, in his original intent for man, said, let's make them just like us. Everybody take a pause for a minute. I know you already are because you're quiet. You're thinking, wait a minute. That's a lot of weight to be just like God. But here's the thing. His very nature as creator, he spoke, things moved. So then he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. So now he has taken the ball, the basketball, right, Jonathan? And he's putting it in your court. So now it's our responsibility. And so he goes through and he has all five days of creation and then creates the animals. And then he creates man. And because he created man last, man's now responsible for everything else he just created. And so now man has this influential role that the first thing he tells man to do is name all the animals. I created them. What are you going to call them? So Adam starts speaking. That is a giraffe. That is a platypus. That is a hippopotamus. That right there is a cat. And starts naming things off, calling them by name. And then God looks around and looks at all of his creation and looks at all the animals and looks at the hippopotamuses and the giraffes and the cats and the dogs and everything else and goes, we got a problem. There is no one suitable to be his helpmeet. You know what I'll do? Just like we, meaning God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created man in our image and likeness, we now need to take a rib from Adam and recreate in his own image and likeness his own helpmeet. And he called her a woman. And she became Eve. And they became the rulers over the earth. But because of Adam's sin... In Genesis chapter 3, we're not going there. I'm just laying a foundation. Hope you guys are okay with that because we're doing it. But because of chapter 3, it said Adam ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. He wasn't supposed to. That was the only thing God said. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat it, you will surely die. He didn't really die. He got separated from God. Spiritually, he died. Sad, terrible things. But because of Adam's sin, God has this redemption plan. And we're going to see this redemption plan today. 
But over in Proverbs, chapter 27, verse number 17. Love how the Amplified says this. We've all seen this. We all probably have a t-shirt that we work out in with this on it. But it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. So you understand that God's original intent for man was his eternal intent for man. Even though Adam sinned, Jesus got it back, and that you and I have a part to play in this whole scheme of life. Great. Awesome. I know I'm getting you all pumped up. Just wait. We're going to get there. Because here's the thing. You have a part to play in God's plan. Thank you for the three people that understand this. I said, you have a part to play in God's plan. From the very foundations of this earth, he said he knew you. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, and he called you for a purpose. I've heard pastors minister this, but they said, if you're still, if you're still breathing, you still have a purpose. You have to understand, God's not done with you yet. I mean, even with my grandparents who are in their 80s, I try to encourage them all the time. Your best days are not yesterday. If you're still here and you're still breathing, God still has a plan for you. We're not some useless piece of equipment that over time, oh man, I got, I got a good story for you guys. There's no expiration date on us. You guys understand that? It doesn't expire and get thrown away to never be used again. I'm going to give you guys a PSA. You guys know what those are? right? Anybody know what those are? What are those? Public service announcement. If you go to the beach, check your expiration date on your sunscreen. We decided to do a one-day beach trip last Saturday, and I'm not a beach guy. So I was under the little canopy tent that we had. I had a nice beach nap. It was great. But my family decided they were going to go be out in the water. And so we lathered up four times with sunscreen. We got home, and we were redder than that man's shirt right there. We were fried. And I was like, we put on sunscreen. We did all the things. We stayed in the shade. We drank lots of water. What happened? Then we looked. And our sunscreen had expired. I said, who thinks about checking the sunscreen in the beach bag that you only use maybe twice a year? Who thinks of looking for an expiration date? We didn't. And we found out we had false hope. We had put so much faith. I mean, lathering it up. And then all of a sudden, it did nothing. Man. How many times do we get caught, though, putting the faith in the wrong thing, thinking we are covered? And then all of a sudden, it falls, the bottom falls out. And you start realizing, ooh, my faith was in the wrong thing. The only thing that will withstand the trials and the tribulation is God's word. He said it's never going to return to him void. He said everything else is going to be shaken, but his kingdom will not be shaken. So we got to put our hope in this, not what we see, not our favorite news anchor, 
Now, what's going on in our government? I know, it's crazy, right? We can't put our faith in that. We got to put our faith in what God's word says. Y'all still with me? Awesome, we're just getting started. Let's see. I know I have a watch up here, but really it's just for looks. It doesn't really do much. So, um, so with this iron sharpens iron, uh, let's go to verse number 18. It says, he who tends to the fig tree will eat its fruit. And he who faithfully protects and cares over his master will be honored. It says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. So what's in you will come out. And what people see in you is what they're going to reflect on you. So I really need you guys to grasp onto this, that we're this sponge mentality. If I take a sponge and I put it in a dirty, muddy bucket and I draw the water up, what type of water is going to be in there? Dirty water. Thank you. You guys are doing so good. But if I take it and I put it into some soapy water and I'm about to clean my truck, I can guarantee that there's going to be soapy water in that sponge. Because whatever we draw on is what comes out. And so what we're putting in matters. That's why these influencers know that. They know we're searching for content. We're searching for new things. I mean, it's even creepy that your phone, just by hearing conversations or hearing, I mean, sometimes I think they have tapped into our brain somehow, and I can think of something, and then I get on social media, and there's an ad for it. I'm like, all right. I mean, I'm a little creeped out, but on the other hand, I really needed to buy that, so thank you for doing that for me. I'll just go ahead and purchase that right now. I'm still creeped out, but I'm glad you showed me that's what I needed. But here's the thing is that we have to get this mindset that we are influencers. If you, if you know you are or if you don't think you are, you are. People are watching you because we all have to understand we're on different levels. We're all at different seasons of life. I mean, one thing I love that Pastor Mark and Ashley's heart are that our church is a multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-ethnical like type of church that we don't want just a cookie cutter church we want everyone because man I promise we're gonna get through this today but I was talking to somebody the other day and they were just asking about how big is your church from day one we have never said we're a small church because we knew God's plan was bigger than that so pastor Mark had all of us leadership where he influenced us to say we are a growing church. At that time, we might only have 20 people, right, Mr. Van? We might only have 20 people, but we are a growing church. I remember days where I used to lead praise and worship, and I would be up on stage singing, and there'd be one person in the audience because everyone else is serving in some capacity. I'm like, Jesus, this is awkward. This is so awkward. Don't look them in the eyes. Don't look them in the eyes. But if I look over here, they know I'm not looking at anyone. Oh, my gosh. So I spent a lot of time like this. Jesus, thank you. Hallelujah. And I just sing. But in those moments and in those days, when you feel like you're not doing anything, preparation time is never wasted time with God. 
and he will prepare your hearts for what's to come. And so now when I look in this audience and I see that we're running out of chairs, we're not surprised because we've said it from the beginning. We are a growing church. God's got big things for us. God's got big things for Valdosta and that we are excited to get to play a role. And so from the very get-go, we've had this mindset. I had somebody ask me the other day, and you ready for this? It blew their mind, and I laughed. They said, I don't like big churches. I like small churches because you can really get to know people. You can really connect, and I just don't do good with big churches. I said, I hope you don't make it to heaven. They stared at me like, how dare you? I said, because you're not ready to experience the biggest church of your life. Because if you don't like small churches, you're not going to be ready to be entered into the greatest church of all time. Because it's his body. I said, so you're not ready. And they just stared at me and they just walked off. I'm like, I know, Holy Spirit, that you can speak to them because they are jacked up right now and they're going to need you. But we have to change our perspective. Why would we ever get to a place where we say, us for no more? Because even God himself is saying, all those who come to me are welcome. And yeah, you can come as you are. You can come with all of your messes. But man, you better be ready to change the moment you come face to face with Jesus. Because when you come face to face with the king himself, all of that is now laid aside and a brand new life has been given to you. We're going to see that this morning. But over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this ministered from the pulpit, but we're going to look at the Passion Translation. Because, man, it's a, it's a gem. I love it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse number 17 through 21. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one. Who is, who's that, who's that? Jesus, right? The anointed one. One that God has shepherded the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us the ministry of opening the doors of reconciliation to God. You ready for this? Ready? Ready? He has entrusted us. That's you and me. That's that's us right here. Do you think God was dumb when he entrusted us? No, because he knew you could do it. He knew there was something he's planted in you that you can succeed at this mission. And so he entrusted us in this ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. 
It says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through his lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. Everybody say us. So that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. This scripture has so much weight for the church because Jesus isn't down here doing this. Whose responsibility is it? Us. It's ours. So now we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to change it up a little bit. Hold on. I told you, I like ministering to students. I like engagement. What? I, I, I just, man, I felt the tenseness just happen right there. As soon as I came off the stage, they all, what is happening? What is going on? I know the video purposes, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But here's the thing. We were called to be ambassadors for Christ. That we now have a job assignment to be this voice for God. That he's not down here doing the work, but we are. So we sit here and we like to, man, we, we get here on Sunday and we get our little comfy chair and we sit down and, man, this is great. Pastor Mark's ministering awesome. Robert, hallelujah, this is great worship. And we jump around maybe. And then when Pastor Mark's done, we grab all of our stuff and we head out for the day and we leave to really not think about that message or what God spoke to you that morning and to go out and we live our lives as if we checked a box. But we were never designed to just come and do a religious ritual. That, that's not what this is. The kingdom is life. And so when Jesus came to die for our sins and to die on the cross, he reconciled us back to God. So once we were lost, but now we have an option to be found. But here's the issue that we fall into with our society right now is especially if you're in high school, raise your hand. Raise it up high. Come on. All right. Here's the deal. We will spend more time with somebody. Did you get that text? Okay, good. <laughs> and there's no more face-to-face -face interaction. But here's the encouraging thing. Is in the society that we live in, we can send a link within a second. Hey, I just heard this online. Check this out. Send it to your friend. And so where the world's going, oh, my gosh, they're not even going to know how to talk to people. We can, we can learn how to communicate in a different manner. Because here's, here's what an ambassador does. Obviously, the government definition is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank, and it is accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as a, you ready for this? Representative of that nation or his own government. 
the authorized representative or messenger. And so we have to understand when Jesus placed us on this earth for this assignment, he didn't just want just a little hearsay, just if I want to. No, he said, I'm placing them as authorized messengers, authorized representatives of me. So for myself, I don't just get up here and grab a microphone because I want to. But Pastor Mark is very protective over who gets up here in this pulpit and who ministers to us because he is the shepherd over this flock and he watches over our souls and does a phenomenal job at it. I mean, I tell him all the time, I said, dude, you're the real deal. And I get to see the behind the scenes. And normally, people always talk about the behind the scenes, the nitty gritty, it's the bad stuff. Man, when you do it God's way, it's some of the greatest things that you'll ever get to experience. And so I've seen the, the bad times. I've seen the good times. We've been able to cry together. We've been able to rejoice together. And they've been the same people through it all. But here's the thing is that he authorized me this morning to be able to give this message to you. I didn't just walk over and grab a microphone and go, I'm preaching today. Trust me, I would have loved to hand it to somebody else because I still get nervous. Man, I, I'm fine with all these younger people. Something about their parents, though. Dear Lord. I get around you guys and you all make me nervous. I understand I'm younger than you, but dear Lord, it's just still crazy in my mind that I'm just, it happens. But then we just say, Holy Spirit, use me, and then we just move on. But when Jesus was given the great commission, he told his disciples in verse number 18, then Jesus came close to them and he said, all authority in the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to faithfully follow all that I command you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. So wherever you go, the mandate stays the same. We don't get to pick and choose, well, I want to be God's demonstrator over here today, but I'm not going to be it right here, okay? Nobody can see me. They're wondering, where am I talking from? This side over here knows where I'm at. But the biggest problem is that we like to pick and choose. I know I'm, I've messed with everybody's Sunday morning routine. I'll get back on the stage. Hold on. Give me a second. But the thing is, is that we don't get to pick and choose. As ambassadors, they're placed there on an assignment, and that's their duty. They don't get to one day wake up and say, well, my opinion is I think they're doing it wrong. And that I think we should have done it this way. They don't get that option. They get to say exactly what the government has demonstrated and put into motion. So let's talk about us kingdom citizens. We get in situations. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard right now. Let's keep this lighthearted. But we get in situations and we get in things that when we're encouraging people or we're trying to talk to people that when it comes down to it, we go, well, I know you're living in sin and you're still sleeping around with them and everything else. And I mean, I don't think it's that bad because obviously like God knows your heart. 
But then we go over to God's word and he talks about it and he tells us that that's a, that's a no-no. That's, that's a marriage covenant thing. If you ain't got one of these on your hand with the other person that you have said, God, we are joining together and we are now creating a covenant with you, then that's not designed for you. And that it's now a counterfeit. It's fake. But a lot of people don't like hearing that. I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that they know the truth. They know the truth. And they'll sit there and they'll go, well, God knows my heart. You're right. He does. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. Because he knows your heart. And he knows that you know the truth and you are rebelling against him. And you're going to live your own way. I'm telling you, I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. Trying. But we got to get real. Because you know what? There's enough fakeness going on out there that we need the real thing, not the counterfeit. We don't need, well, this is my opinion on it. No, we need to know what God says about it. And so we have a part to play. You have a part to play. If you are in here and you're breathing and you are, I mean, you guys are awesome back there. You have your leg up every week and you're healed in Jesus' name. But you come to church. You could stay home. But you wake up and you say, you know what? We will be there. And they are faithful to come and serve. And you're healed in Jesus' name. It's full restoration, no issues. But here's the thing, is that we all have these choices we make. We have to start determining that my way doesn't matter. We lay ourselves down because there's a greater service for me to do. So, man, we're right on track. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You guys aren't ready for this one yet. So we're just going to go to Romans chapter 5. Once you're there, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to say, found it. Awesome. Man, you guys must be like Bible scholars. You guys know where it's at. You're doing great. So, fun story about Pastor Caleb here is... When I was five years old, I had a pretty good speech impediment. And so I was homeschooled my entire schooling existence, all 12 years. My mom homeschooled me and my brother. But when I was five years old, I had a speech impediment. And so that lasted until I was about eight years old and had to go to a lot of speech therapy. And I couldn't say my L's or my R's. And so my brother thought it was really cool for me to say, like, I love lemons because it would always come out, I love women. And he just thought that was the greatest party trick of all time. But what, what the cause and effect of that was is that I was a slow reader and that I really didn't even learn how to read until I was about eight years old and still just petrified of reading in front of people. That's why I laugh at what God's got me doing up here today, because it's just a thing. But I remember being in high school and being in our youth ministry, and I try to do my best with all of our high schoolers and all of our middle schoolers that if they don't feel comfortable with reading, I'm not going to put them on the spot, or I'll help them out. But I remember back in the day that we would be in, like, devotionship classes, and they'd be like, all right, everybody's going to read a verse, and man something inside of me would just be like, oh, no. 
And so I'd be like, what verse do you want me to read? And they're like, we'll tell you when we get there. I'm like, no, I need to read it now. I need to start reading it so I know and almost have it memorized. And so I would get there, and I would struggle. And, man, I just felt like I was dumb. And just I, everyone else has got this under control. And so as I grew up, that still lingered. I mean, it still happened. And so what happens, though, is when you allow that to set a root and to plant that thought, then you start comparison, or comparing yourself to those around you. And I mean, when kids are reading these novels and they're reading like 300 pages in a week, I'm like, I hope you don't want me to be done until the end of the school year because that's how long it's going to take me. Because I was comparing of why am I not there. But then I had to learn something, that it doesn't matter. We're all on different levels, especially spiritually. I mean, when I started Bible school, we have a Bible school here at Anchor Faith Church that operates a three-year course. We haven't been able to do one up here in a little while, but in St. Augustine, they have a, it's constantly a brand-new startup class every year. And so it goes through, but here's the difference between their course and other courses. When you get handed a binder, it has note pages in it. There's no lesson outlines. There's no curriculum base that you get that you just get to fill in the blank. It's you. And I remember in 2010, sitting in that class, and you have to read the Bible every year. Well, the first year you read the Bible in nine months, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelations, in nine months. And you have a fast-track Bible reading plan. If you miss one of your weeks of Bible reading plan, your assignment is you have to write every chapter you missed. I have a buddy of mine who started a year after me, and that joker wrote half the Bible. I said, you can't tell me it's easier for you to sit down and write it out than it is for you to read it and check the box. And he goes, man, it's just it's tough. And he had stacks he would bring in weekly. Here's my Bible reading for last week. Here's my Bible reading for this week. I'm like, dude. But it stretched me. And it started pulling things out of me in that it felt uncomfortable. I mean, I didn't want to get up in front of people. I remember the first time I had to do an oral exam where they literally said, here's your topic. You have two minutes. Go over it. I, I tell people all the time, I said, man, I had, I had my paper up there. I said, you would just see me just shaking. I said, I'm just trying to hold a microphone, just doing this. And here's the problem is when I got nervous, I, I'm going somewhere with this, I know. Just hold on, just stay with me. But when I got nervous, I would forget something very important. Breathing. Whoever thought that was a real thing? And so all of a sudden, I started talking, and then I started really losing my voice. That's embarrassing. Because then you get other people up there that, Hey, so my topic was learning about faith, and here's what I learned in Hebrews chapter 1. It, I mean, going through just looking like a champ, and then I get up there, and I'm just, <laughs> oh, hi, everyone. All right, here's what I'm, terrible. Thank God I'm not like that today, because you all would have been gone. But here's the thing, is that we're all at different seasons. We're all at different growth levels. So stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Because you don't know how much they had to 
put in the work. You don't know what they had to sacrifice to get where they're at today. But we want to look at those highlight reels. Man, Pastor Mark does a phenomenal job up here. He's up here and he ministers the word so boldly and so powerfully. Well, I remember when he wasn't ministering to an adult. And he was ministering to elementary kids when he was a children's pastor. And he was dressing up like a goofy character. I remember those days. But because he was faithful to go through those seasons and go through those challenges, God's led him here. And so wherever you're at today, know this. You have a purpose, and God has a plan. Trust him and follow it. And here's the greatest thing. Can you guys do me a favor? Can you pull all the lights down? I'm telling you, we're getting welcome to youth ministry. No, I mean all of them. Stage lights too. We'll have that, so it'll be okay. You can just drop them. What are you doing? Just turn them off. Awesome. Here's the thing. God never said he was going to be our big lighthouse for our path. But he did say he was a lamp unto your feet. And so because of that, I know wherever my feet are right now, it's clear to walk. And that as I keep moving, the light keeps shining where I'm at and letting me know I'm on a firm foundation. I can keep walking. I'm good right now. But if I look over in that corner, it looks scary. It's dark. I don't know what's over there. But a lot of people will stop and they say, well, I don't know what that season holds. I don't know what that conversation is going to turn out to be like. What if I get over there and I fall flat on my face because I, that wasn't the right plan? But you see, God says, just trust me. Wherever you go, wherever you place your foot, the kingdom of God is there. And so as I get over here, I start realizing, oh, wait, I'm now illuminating where I'm at. Wherever I go, light's following. Jackson, are you good? Can you see where you're going? I see you, buddy. But wherever you're at, it's pushing back the darkness. This is what we do in our kingdom life, is that wherever you go, you're pushing back darkness. Wherever your foot is planted, the kingdom of God has now shown up there. And so we are these influencers that wherever I'm at, I'm on assignment. That it doesn't matter if I'm working my nine to five job over down the street, that when I walk, oh, you can turn the lights on, sorry. It's really dark, I know. But wherever I go, the kingdom of God is with me. And that when Jesus was walking from town, to, I know everybody's all like, wow, that's bright. But that's what we do, is we are illuminating the darkness when we show up. So your sphere of influence, when Jesus told the disciples, go into all the world, we can't just think, well, man, I need to go to Africa because those people need Jesus. You know what? You don't have to go that far. You can go to Cheddar's because those people need Jesus. You can go over to, you can go to Winn-Dixie and you can walk down aisle four because I can guarantee you there's probably somebody in there that needs Jesus. So we have to change how we view things that it's no longer just, I challenged our 
one of our classes that we had, I challenged the students. I said, stop going to Walmart wearing earbuds. Stop going to Walmart wearing earbuds. Amen? Because here's why. We put in those things, and we automatically just stamp, I'm unavailable. We just say, I've checked out. I'm here doing my own thing. I'm good. You might be listening to your favorite worship song that's on the radio right now. But the moment you put those in, you say, God, I'm out. But what if all of a sudden you're walking through and all of a sudden there's somebody who's just bawling their eyes out because they just got the worst news of their life? Been in that situation before. I mean, the other week, I'm sitting underneath a truck because I work as a mechanic. A lot of you guys know that. I'm doing an alignment on a truck, and one of the service riders comes out, and and she is just heavy. You can tell. So I'm just wrenching away, doing my thing, and she goes, hey, um, you got a second? <laughs> like, sure. I mean, just, just here working. What you got? She goes, well, just found out that my husband, the knee surgery isn't taking. He's got inflammation. He's got, they have to go back in, open it up because he's got some bacteria that's growing in there. And then also they just found out he's got cancer stage four in his kidneys. I said, well, all right. I'm thinking, we just turned a corner and now here's Pastor Caleb. How can I help you? And so she said, I just need you to keep him in your prayers and, you know, pray for me. And so she starts to walk off, and I said, hey, 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 come here. I know this is random and different. I said, but can I pray with you right now? So I put my tools down, and I hopped out from underneath the car, and I said, can I, let's just pray right now. I said, but I have to know, where are you at? And where is he at? Is he done fighting? Because this is going to be a battle. And we sit there, and I prayed. And I connected my faith with their faith. And we believe God that he'll do a miracle. That he wasn't supposed to last this long. He's still here. They're waiting on a surgery. All these other things. But we connected right there. I just held her hands and we just prayed. And I prayed that God would just miraculously move on his behalf. And then that was it. Amen. She gave me a big old hug. Never got a hug from her ever before. And she's like, no one's ever done that. And then my heart just sank. I mean, I don't know her age, but you can't tell me that someone hasn't just stopped in their tracks and said, we have an answer and he can do what you need. Let's connect together right now. But it it always goes back to the question of, are you available? What's your availability? Is it just Sunday morning? At 10.30 to 12? 12 o'clock right now. Boom. Or is it any time? So we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. We're going to wrap this up. Here's the kicker, though. I couldn't just pick out my couple verses. So it's all of Romans chapter 5. But we're going to get through this. And like I said, remember, I had a reading problem, right? God's got a sense of humor, just know that. (laughs) So, 
starts off, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, Passion Translation. It says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Some of y'all need to know that when God sees you, he sees Jesus. When we confess that Jesus is our Lord, that he no longer has this track record of what we've done wrong, how many times we've messed up. I mean, he even says that a righteous man may, may fall seven times, but he gets back up. You have to understand that God's still got a purpose for you. Even the times that we've screwed up so badly, we think he's over. It says that when we confess Jesus as our Lord, he's, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when he sees you, he sees you flawless in his eyes. This means that we can now enjoy the true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. And our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Perfect. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope and experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. But wait, there's more, right? Because we could end there, and that would be great, but there's more. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have this joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character, and our proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not disappointing fantasy. Hold on, there we go. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were eternally, entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if one, someone was willing to die for the truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. You guys tracking so far? It's a big price, and we weren't even worthy of it. When he talks about the wicked person, that used to be us. But he wanted to demonstrate God's love. For the sinners. So we go on. And there's still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Righteousness literally means right standing with the governing authority right standing to be right or justified in front of the authority. So now when God looks at you, because of the price Jesus paid for us, now we have this righteousness that we can uphold to. You can't uphold to it because he's given it to you. Number 10, verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled. You guys remember that word, reconciled? ministry of reconciliation to God, we are to open that door up to other people. That's our job. We found that out earlier. God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Then something greater than friendship is ours. Did you guys know that 
we've had that, man, who's ever heard that song, I am a friend of God, right? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Do you know we have something greater than that? I got a lot of friends, but guess what? They don't live in my house. They don't, they don't eat at my table every night. I don't pay for their bills. But I do have children that call me father and call me dad that when they have a need, they come over and just ask, hey, dad, can we go do this? Yeah, let's go. And I make sure they're taken care of. We have something greater than a friendship. We have a sonship with the king himself. Now that we are at peace with God, and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of, the, of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. And this is where I stopped earlier, and the Lord said, no, you got to keep reading. So bear with me. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human exp- uh, experience, and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity, because all have sinned now. Sin was in the world because Moses gave the sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not changed, charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they hadn't broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the great the gracious gift that we experience for the magnitude of this gift far outweighs the crime it's true that many died because of one man's transgressions but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of the one man Jesus the Messiah did for us And this is free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we have all faced death sentence with a verdict of guilty. We'll keep reading. I promise we'll end. Because of this guilty sentence, because this gracious gift leaves us free from the many failures, and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the word, not guilty. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more we held the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? That's us. No longer does death have a grip on us, but now we hold fast, reigning as kings in this life. It says, enjoying our, real free, our regional freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. In other words, 
Just as condemnation came upon all people through the transgression, so through the one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us all right with God and leads us into this victorious life is now available to all. Wouldn't that be awesome if we all just understood because of the gift Jesus gave us, we now can reign as kings in this victorious life. But it doesn't end there. It says, one man's, verse 19, one man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, ready for this, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. And just as sin reigned through death, so also the sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting eternal life through Jesus and our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Wrapping up with this verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. Worship team, you can come on up. Almost didn't make it through this in our team huddle this morning. Because there's just, there's a heaviness that comes from preaching the word. That man, you don't, you don't want to screw up. You don't want to make it confusing. Because, you know, the author of confusion is the devil. But God's word brings truth. And so we just read about how the law introduced God's plan to bring reality to human sinfulness out of hiding. And that wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. I mean, we see that the world's getting darker and darker. Sin is literally being created on the spot. Man, be encouraged. Wherever sin increased, God's grace and his gracious gift will triumph all the more. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this. But you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted one. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercies because you had not reconciled it yet or received it yet. But now you are branched with it. So here's, here's the thing. We are called to be God's children, to be ambassadors that represent him in every facet of life. Not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesday nights. He wants it all. But we got to start 
with recognizing that all humanity has sinned and it's been in hiding. And so we have to first acknowledge that, number one, we need a king. We need a savior. And, and let me just clarify something. Jesus is Lord. That's who he is. But Savior is what he did for you. So we don't serve Savior Jesus. We serve Lord Jesus. And Lord means he owns everything. It, it denotes an owner of property. And that if you've ever rented from a landlord before, it's pretty much what Jesus does. Is that he owns the property, but he gives you legal access to everything on it. And so this morning, we're not going to miss the opportunity, but we all have to recognize, man, I can't do it without Jesus. I can't do it without the king because he's called us to be the chosen treasure. We are kings in this world. So if we're kings in this world, why do so many people just look like suffering servants and allowing the things of this world to dictate their emotions? to dictate their thoughts, to dictate their finances. So this morning with every head bowed, every eyes closed, here's what I want us to do. We're going to take a second. And I want you to what we call self-examine. It can be something as simple as, Lord, examine my heart. If there's anything that's in me that's not of you, we want to get it out. We don't, we don't want to have a moment pass by that we're living in unrighteousness. Because Jesus paid a price way too great for us to not live in righteousness. It's a free gift that triumphs over every fault, every failure, every misstep that we've ever taken. He said, I take care of it all. take a second. say, man, I've been running. I've been living my life my own way. I've been living just however I want to live. It's time to come home. Why waste another day? I mean, even the Bible talks about when Moses went to Pharaoh and the plagues of Egypt were happening and the plagues with the frogs took place. He said, when would you like me to get rid of them? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Don't let that sin stay harboring in you until tomorrow. Because we're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. We're promised today, right now. And why would we want to wait until the very end to say, Lord, I need you. And we need Jesus now. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.